Hey, everybody. Welcome to another day of Diesel Shop Talk Podcast. Thanks for coming back out to support the podcast. If you are on Instagram, please go to Instagram right now. Search at Diesel Shop Talk Podcast and go ahead and push that follow button. Follow us on Instagram. I'll keep you up to date on future podcasts. Um, And speaking of podcasts, I know it seems like it's been forever since I have published the last podcast. And that's because, well, it has been forever. Why has it been forever? Well, that kind of has something to do with the topic today. The reason why I have not been able to make a podcast is because I've been traveling, been getting a lot of accounts up and going, um, been, you know, making sure that my technicians stay trained across the the country. Um, And that's mainly because the diesel industry in a whole is growing at a rate that we have never seen before. Technology is advancing in ways that nobody ever thought possible, and the economy is booming. And this leads to a lot of different areas of growth if you are in the industry, whether that be growing from a preventive maintenance technician to a technician role, or that means you're going from a technician role to a foreign position, or maybe you're trying to grow into a VP of maintenance position somewhere. Today, we're going to be talking about all that. I'm going to give you some of those hints on ways that you can grow your career and you can really excel inside of this industry. Now, this does not necessarily mean I'm telling you, you need to go from a technician position into another position because this could also go for you guys and gals that want to stay in the diesel technical role for the rest of your career. Maybe you just want more money. All right. So without further ado, let's get going. All right, everybody. So once again, thanks for coming back out to support the podcast. Like I said on the introduction, today we are talking about how you can become more successful in the diesel technology industry. Now, there's a lot of different routes that you can take, and there's there's a lot of opportunity out there that you can really reach out and grab. And I have always been that person saying, reach out, take that chance, move yourself forward, and enjoy what you're doing every day. Because if you're not enjoying what you're doing, really, what does success do for you? All right. So inside of the industry, we already know that it's growing. And that kind of brings up the the first subject of this. Uh, It's growing in ways that we never really foreseen possible. And also, as a diesel technician or really anybody inside the diesel technical uh, field, we know that uh, there's more money out there available. Uh, right out of technical school, for instance, the average pay for a technician that just graduated technical school is somewhere between thirty-one to forty-nine thousand. That's just a median. All right, that's more money than almost any other statistics for any four-year college degree other than engineering. That is how fantastic just this field is. The average technician working 40 hours per week makes a median of between fifty-two dollars to $62,000. And you can find this on pretty much any of the government analytical websites as far as the statistics for, career, for careers go. Um, this year alone, there's 285,000 technicians that is working on trucks. 
That is a lot of technicians. And this industry is also growing. The industry is growing. We're going to need more technicians inside of the industry. It's growing at about 5%. But within the next five years, that's actually going to be growing more. Some people saying anywhere between 7 to 10% more technicians on average that we are going to need per year in order to keep up with the industry. Now, you might be thinking to yourself, well, why? Why are there so many more positions that's opening up? This really doesn't make more sense because right now inside of the shop, you might not be hiring. Well, the reality is we have a lot of people that's going to be retiring here very, very soon. Um, about 13% of the industry within the next 10 years will be retiring. All right. We're going to have to replace those positions. We have more equipment that is coming into fleets. Uh, and since we have more equipment that's coming into the fleet side, that way we can keep product on the road, keep payloads going, making money for all the companies out there and putting food on the table for families across the nation, we're going to need more people that can work on the additional equipment that's coming in. So that's going to add on to it. Uh, there's also going to be a lot of people growing within the industry. So now you have technicians that are moving into positions like parts managers or foremen or lead positions, uh, trainers, and we're going to need technicians that can fill those spots. So ultimately what I'm getting at is with all the liquid that's happening within the industry, there's going to be a lot of different paths that you can take in order to grow yourself. All right. There's going to be a lot of different paths that you can take in order to make more money. Earlier, I said, hey, if you don't want to get into these management roles or you really just want to stay a diesel technician for the rest of your career, that is perfectly fine. You need to put yourself to where you can make the most money because there's also going to be a lot of uh, growth happening on the monetary value of a technician. The reason why is technology. We know that in 1989, we had the first engines produced into the industry that were electronically controlled. It was 89. This is only 2019. That is only 30 years ago. With the Detroit series, they started out with four sensors. All right. Some of them had five. It all depended on uh, what platform it was because there's a couple of different platforms that went with that. But ultimately, we're talking four to five sensors with electronic unit injection to where we have engines and electronic control units today that's reading thousands and thousands and thousands of inputs and output controls going to different components that's on an engine. And that can give you really telltale indicators right now, right? Now, we're not even anywhere near where technology is growing. We're nowhere near the top because technology is about to start getting more advanced. And the reason why it's going to start getting more advanced is because we have different technologies coming out there, like hybrids. You already know that I'm not a big believer of the electronic uh, battery-powered equipment. We got a long way to go until we get to battery-powered equipment, but we are going to have a lot of hybrids coming out, and we're also going to have a lot of other technologies coming into the industry. That way, we can keep up with EPA rules and guidelines uh, that comes with the Clean Air Act and different emissions guidelines out there. Uh, fuel economy is going to be one of the big ones. And in order for us to be able to fix that equipment, 
You need technicians that can fix that equipment. And in order for a technician to fix the equipment that has all these technologies on there, they have to have very advanced knowledge on these systems. Well, with more advanced knowledge, what do you need? more money. You got to keep that technician employed. So if you're one of those people that just wants to stay inside of the industry and make the most money possible, you need to go ahead and start reaching out and taking in whatever training you can possibly take in because it's going to benefit you in the long term. You're going to end up being an asset. All right. You're going to go from a tool to an absolute asset that's on that floor that these companies just can't get rid of. Right. Uh, inside the industry, we also got to think about all the different positions that are available. Uh, the technician can kind of go in different levels. We already know that some some companies have technician A, B, C. Some companies have one, two, three. Um, you have preventive maintenance technicians. You have diesel technicians. We have parts suppliers. We have management roles that goes into operations management. That goes into general management, training management. This is, uh, also, you have uh, different type of uh, safety managers out there. Uh, vice president of maintenance, director of maintenance. So there's a large degree of different positions out there that you can really reach out and take and run with. Now, how are we going to do that? Well, we keep our eye on what's happening in the industry. We see where these positions are opening. And once again, when you see a position that's going to open, you have to reach out and you have to try to run there and get it. All right. And then this also brings up the question, well, how do we grow? Why do we grow? What's the purpose of growth if it's just going to give you more stress? Uh, what's the purpose of growth if at some point I might not be happy and I can't just step back down? Uh, what's the purpose of growth if I'm going to uh, grow to the point where you kind of grow yourself out of the industry? Well, the reality is that's up to you. I'm just here to let you know how we can grow and some of the different ways that you can you can really grow yourself. And this takes me to the first part of this. All right. The first part of actually going in and growing yourself inside of this industry is just keep it basic. What do I mean by that? So you want to have this idea of becoming an operations manager at some point. You already know that your five-year plan is getting into some kind of lower level manager position, period, right? Whether that be a lead technician role, whether that be a, uh, a foreman position that's sitting on that shop floor. That's what your goal is, right? So how can I be a candidate to become a lead technician or how can I become a candidate to get into that forum position because I really want to be an operations manager in the future. Well, keeping it a basic means that you show up on time. You do what you're supposed to do and then you clean up when you're supposed to clean up. These are three of those real basic fundamentals that people have a tendency to forget about. I mean, it is as basic as that. All right. Have you ever seen that person on the floor that just never shows up on time? You always just wonder to yourself, like, why is this person always late? It might be two minutes. It might be five minutes. It might be 10 minutes. But that person always 
shows up late. Now, they probably don't get fired. Why do they not get fired? Well, we need a lot of technicians in the industry. That's probably why they are not getting fired. And that company probably just can't afford to fire that technician that's on the floor. But what they will do is they will see that technician not showing up on time. So if you really want to grow, you can't be that person because that really starts burning that bad memory inside of a lot of the the hiring manager's brains to where whenever the position comes up, is like, that person's not reliable. So how in the world are we even going to give them the opportunity to run my company? Because if you can't show up on time, there's a lot of other things. And also, if you're going to be a leader, you got to be a follower first. So if you are a manager on the floor and you never show up on time, guess what everybody else is not going to do? They're not going to show up on time. So show up on time. Do what you're supposed to do. Also, we have a large margin out there of diversity when we come uh, or when we talk about, you know, um, the typical technician. And what do I mean by that? A lot of your typical technicians, they have to be babysat. And if you're listening to this right now and you're probably offended, that probably means that you're one of those that needs to be babysat. What do I mean by that? Whenever you get done with a job, you just walk around the truck on your cell phone. Or when you go pick up the next truck, instead of taking five minutes to pick it up, you come back 30 minutes later. All right. People pay attention to this stuff. So if you're a technician on the floor and you got a lot of those little shitheads around there, the reality is somebody's probably looking at you like, wow, he's a superstar. What are you doing? Nothing special. But guess what? You're a superstar because everybody else around you sucks. I mean, that's just the reality around it. Luckily, with the company I work for, we don't have many of those. But whenever I was a consultant, I did go into a lot of these different companies out there. And I did see a lot of these shops where their technicians just kind of ran around and did their own thing. And so whenever you've seen that one technician showing up on time and finishing one truck and going and getting another truck and actually taking the five minutes it took to go pick up that truck and bring it back. That really sets a good standard. And those are kind of the people that we are looking for to excel inside of the industry. All right. And then obviously cleaning up. So I'm not saying you, I know a lot of people, by the time they get done working on a truck, they're super dirty. There's absolutely nothing wrong with that. But the bay really comes into play here. All right. Uh, cleanliness is very safe. So if you're safety oriented, that really, really sticks out in a lot of people's minds. So if you're done at the end of the day and you go back to your bay and you actually sweep it up and you pick up all the, the grease that's on the floor and you put the dry sweep down, that looks good because this is a safety factor. You got to stay safe. And if you're safe, you stay conscious about being safe. Boom. Guess what? People love you. And that's just the basics. Now, on top of the basics, what else can we do to help succeed in this industry? Well, in order to be the most successful, you obviously have to know what you're talking about. You have to have that development. You have to be smart. All right. So this is where training and certifications really start coming into play. Now, there's going to be one certification some of you is going to look at like 
I don't need that. Or, you know, just because you have the certification don't mean you know anything. That's going to be ASE. And I'm going to tell you why ASE is very important as we move forward. But that's one of those. So certifications that you can have is like OEM certifications, those ASE certifications. Um, The other training courses that you can do, online training. Because the more that you can learn yourself, the faster is going to be for you to diagnose that engine. And the faster it is for you to diagnose that engine, the easier it's going to be for you to train those around you to also fix that engine. All right. So as a manager, you're also going to be a trainer. So you have to have a vast uh, knowledge of a lot of the technical systems and mechanical systems on these uh, equipment. All right. One thing that I said before I actually became a trainer or I started writing books about all of this is that I actually get smarter every time that I teach something. And it's the truth. There's been times where I'm teaching something on a board and I actually teach myself something else in the back of my mind in the process. So whenever you go through all the training and you love learn this stuff and you're training the other people around you, what you learn at these training courses, that shows that you know how to mentor the people, which means whenever you take that management role or you get selected for that management role, you are going to be more successful right off the bat because people look at you as a successor. People look at you as a mentor and they're willing to really listen to you. All right. It's actually a lot easier than what a lot of people might think. So once again, those certifications, just regular training course that you get certifications from, those online courses, the OEM, kind of like the common certification courses, those diamond certifications, whatever else it might be, and then the ASCs. Now, this brings up the hot topic because I cannot tell you how many times I've talked to technicians in the past that said, I don't need ASC certifications because just because you got ASCs don't mean that you're a very smart technician. You're right. You're absolutely right. I'm going to agree with you on that. But this is the thing. A lot of times when you have a technician telling you that ASE certifications really don't matter, that means that they probably cannot pass an ASE certification. And then the next argument is, well, you have to be book smart in order to pass ASE. The reality is you don't because either you know a question or you don't know a question. There's no ifs, ands, or buts about it. Now, where do ASE certifications really help out as far as the diesel technology industry? Well, one thing that ASE certification does is it really puts hiring managers uh, in sight of you because hiring managers really like to see ASE certifications The reason is because of a subject I said earlier, or one of those little things I said earlier. Remember what I said about technology growing? Well, technology is growing at a very fast rate and is advancing in ways that nobody ever thought would be possible. So in order for us to be able to fix that technology in the future, we have to have people that we know can learn. And guess what? If you have technicians that can pass ASE certifications, that means they have the capabilities of actually learning. And if they have a capability of learning, that means that they can grow to technicians that can fix the equipment that's on the floor instead of having equipment that's going to pretty much be dinosaurs that can't be fixed because you don't have anybody that has a capability of learning that stuff. All right, so ASCs really look good. And the more ASCs that you can put on your resume, the faster somebody is like, holy cow, that's impressive. Let's look at this guy right here. Or let's look at this girl right here. 
All right, so those certifications certainly make a big difference. One reason it makes a big difference is because we know that you can uh, you know, move with the industry. We know that you're going to have the capabilities of learning how to fix that. And you're also going to have that smarts to where you have a truck coming to the bay, technicians saying that you can't fix it. Now you might be able to guide them in a way that they can properly fix it. Another reason why ASC certifications really come into play is because of liability purposes. And the reason why I say liability purposes is if you have a technician that recently worked on a truck and that truck goes out, has an accident on the highway, that driver come back and say, well, it's your technician's fault. Well, if that technician has ASC certifications, that means that there's actually paperwork saying that they are professionally certified to work on that brake system. And if you as a manager have those certifications, there's going to be people that's trying to uh, excel to be better than you. So the guys on the floor and the girls on the floor are going to be willing to go take that because the reality is every time you get a new management position, everybody should want to do your job and you should also train them to do your job. You should train them to be better than you. And the reason why you should train them to be better than you is because the more that you train the people on the floor to be better than you, the more you want to grow yourself, right? Because if you ever think somebody could take your job, what's the one way that you could take the stress away? Well, getting better at your job. All right, so ASC certifications certainly make a big impact on the resume, and that resume is king. If you have somebody that has a crappy resume and whatever experience they have inside the industry and somebody that has a great resume with certifications and a lot of training that's noted on there, a lot of rewards is noted on there, the person with that resume 100% of the time is going to get the opportunity before the person that says that he's been or she's been a diesel technician for so many years with nothing back them up. Like two years experience as a diesel technician, yet you want a lead technician role. It's not going to happen. All right. Other ways that you can grow is ask questions. Ask your managers if they can sign you up for training. All right. If the company is willing to invest in you, that company is also wanting to keep you on the floor. And the way that a company can keep you on the floor is by giving you more money. Well, how can you give somebody more money? Give them promotions. All right. So go through, ask those questions, see if there are training uh, that that training courses that's available. See if there are certification courses they can sign you up for. And when you get the opportunity run and take it because it really is going to benefit you. Suggest to be a mentor, right? So mentors are huge. Mentoring is is huge when we're talking about future leaders because if you are a true mentor on the floor, that means that People respect you. And this is what I said earlier. Obviously, people are going to respect you if you are a mentor. But that also says that your management above you is seeing what's going on. A lot of times, the number one issue we have with management and you know different management staff is they just don't know how to mentor the people on the floor. So whenever that person leaves, like, hey, 
this technician that's on the floor can really improve. And if you are a foreman and you want to go into that operations manager role, this is extremely important for you. Why is it extremely important for you? Well, this is an easy answer. Because you have to mentor the entire operation at this point. There's not just technicians on the floor. Now you're mentoring other managers. Now you're mentoring leads. Now you're you're mentoring people to look at things in a different light. Because as an operations manager or a general manager, you're looking at everything different because there's so much out there that you just have to be conscious about. So think about that when you're moving forward. All right. Now, that's the training. I'm not going to sit here and and just kill you about the training. There's also other things that you have to think about. All right. Kind of like the management aspect of it. Do you want to grow as a manager? Well, you got to know how to be a manager. You have to be able to look at things in that different light that I talked about earlier. Kind of like understanding what profitability is and understanding what management is. And in order to understand profitability and management, you have to understand a lot of different sectors, right? The first thing that you really have to know is how to respect people. Don't have a bad attitude because if you have a bad attitude, immediately people is going to be looking at you differently. Those managers that's on the floor with bad attitudes, the reason why they can't improve is because nobody really wants them to improve. And that's just the reality behind it. If you're walking around talking down to people, well, the people that you're talking down to is basically saying you can go F yourself right now. And I would do the same thing if anybody talks down to me especially my military mentality, it's going to come out and I'm going to let them know what I think about what they just said about the way they're speaking to me. And immediately that puts a bad taste out there. So you have to make sure that you respect people. If you respect people, they're going to respect you and they're going to listen to you more. As a manager, you got to understand that time is money. This is huge when we're talking about as those lower level management positions, those operations inside of the shop management positions, not overall operations managers, but we're talking about the lead technicians. We're talking about those foremen out there. Time is absolutely money. So you, you have to really know where to put people, when to put them there and how to manage that time. Because if you don't manage time, You are literally throwing money away. What's an example of this? Well, let's just say this is just a crazy example that I'm coming out with the top of my head. Let's say that you have uh, two technicians that's on the floor and they need to finish 4 p.m.s as fast as possible. Preventive maintenance. We know preventive maintenance is super important. Well, if you have two technicians and 4 p.m.s, we have to think about how can we get this done the fastest way possible. What is a huge thing that we see people, uh, our managers do all the time? Say, hey, we have two technicians. Both of y'all go work on that truck right now. Or, you know, you have some technicians on the floor saying, well, I don't understand why we don't have two guys working on this truck. Well, the reality is those technicians might take, just throw a number out there, two and a half hours to do a single PM. Right, One technician on one truck, one technician on other takes them two and a half hours each to finish a single PM. But if you put them both together on one truck 
it's going to take them 1.5 hours. So you're like, wait, David, you just said that you want technician A to work on one truck, technician B to work on another truck, and that's going to take less time. But you also said that if you put them both on one truck, it's going to take them less time on that one truck. Well, that's true. Because if you have four trucks that need to get complete today, two technicians working individually on each truck, that's going to take them five hours to complete. 2.5 hours with the first truck, 2.5 hours with the second truck. That's only five hours. But if we have two technicians working on four trucks together, it's going to take them 1.5 hours each. Well, what is that going to equal? Well, that's going to equal six hours. So just that separation right there saved an hour in time. Now, in the back of your mind, you're probably thinking to yourself, well, it's just an hour. What's the big deal? Well, the big deal is when you add up those hours throughout the year, it really turns into a profitability uh, problem. Right. And that's how we can actually start improving right now. So what am I saying? If you really want to go out there and be the best manager possible or you're getting ready to go in there to interview and they say, why should you become a manager? You say, look, it's the process. What makes more money? Time. How can we save time by being smart, allowing individual technicians to work if the time makes sense. All right. So another thing you got to understand as a manager is what PL is. What that what PL is, it's it's one of those basic fundamentals that that people forget about is profit and loss. Um, as far as profit and loss goes inside of the industry, when we're talking about shops, there's a lot of things that could create more profit. There's a lot of things that can create more loss. The the objective is making sure that you have more profit than loss. And how can we increase the amount of profit we have by paying attention to the small things, right? One of those small things that, that you got to really pay attention to once again, is that preventive maintenance um, because good preventive maintenance is by far the most important aspect of the diesel technology industry. That is the one thing that's going to save you a whole lot of money by physically having your technicians do a good PM and spotting, you know, those little mistakes that a technician makes. And this goes back to mentoring. If a technician makes a mistake, it shouldn't be one of those offenses that you're getting onto them. Like you did bad. No, if you're going at your technicians, telling them that they did it wrong, you're a shitty manager. At this point, you need to go back and let them know, hey, I seen that you didn't check the differential or I seen that the battery terminals are, are dirty. And let them know that this is stuff that needs to be done in preventive maintenance. Now, what does preventive maintenance have to do with profit and loss? Well, it kind of goes back to those dirty battery terminals. How long does it take to clean a battery terminal, really? You've already got the terminals all disconnected anyways because you have to check the batteries during a PM. Go ahead and clean them. It takes five minutes. What could a bad battery terminal or a dirty battery, battery terminal do? Well, ultimately, let's just say it's a ground terminal. If you have a dirty ground terminal on that truck, that means that you have a voltage drop up to that ground terminal, which means you have voltage on pretty much every ground going to every component that's on that truck because it's from the power source. And what is this going to ultimately do? Well, if you have a truck that has this cool little thing 
called uh, capacitive discharge or voltage induction for the injectors, and you got injectors that's working off 120 volts, well, that's going to create a voltage drop to those injectors. Ultimately, what does that do? Well, if you have that voltage drop to the injectors, you have retard timing, cooler combustion chamber temperatures, more hydrocarbons being created, and what does that lead to? Plugged up DPFs. Right? This is profit and loss. Remember, five minutes of maintenance can literally keep you from plugging up DPS. And so let's think about how much money that battery terminal could really cost us. It takes five minutes to clean the battery terminal. But we skip it because we're trying to hurry up and do a PM or the manager on the floor saying, no, 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 just get the PM done. Don't worry about that. That five minutes that it would have taken us to clean up that battery terminal could have cost us $3,000 for a DPF. Could have cost us another $1,000 for a roadside service technician to go out there to take a look at the truck. Let's say that truck is profiting us $4,000 per day that it's on the road. Let's say that we have to down it a day. That's $8,000 we could have lost right then and there because we're worried about a PM being completed quickly. All right. So, as a manager, you got to think about that stuff because the profit and loss is really a big deal. And something else that goes with profit and loss, that's asset improvement. So if you're working in a fleet, at some point, you're probably going to need to sell those trucks. And if you need to sell the trucks, that means that we probably want the trucks to be in the best shape possible, i.e. the shocks are pretty on them. Or let's say that you install GPSs because we know that most trucks out there today have some type of Omnitracks or people in that system that's on it. Well, it might benefit us to improve the asset by having an outside vendor come in and install the GPS. Why might that help you out? Well, because if you have an outside vendor come in, they might have to install the GPS nice and neat. If your technicians do it, it might not be nice and neat, or it might cost us more money to have your technician put in there nice and neat than it would be somebody that does this on a daily basis. So let's say that it's $100 per truck that they have to install these, these GPS systems. Well, when you get ready to sell the truck, if it's nice and neat and it's something that a customer can connect in later, you might actually make an extra thousand or even two thousand dollars off of it. If it's ugly, people don't want to spend money. If it's pretty, people are going to spend more money. So that's the asset improvement. Whenever you're talking about management, that makes a big difference on the fleet. All right. So in conclusion, I just want to go back and mention a couple things that 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 I talked about during this podcast. One thing, keep it basic once again. Do the right thing. Don't be babysat. Uh, make sure that you come to work on time. It makes a big impact so people can see you. From that point, make sure that you have the training certifications, those OEM certifications, ASE certifications. You are growing. You always show that you want to grow. That's going to give you the knowledge base and or to help you be that operations manager or be that foreman that can lead the actual troops that's on the floor, which is the moneymaker. Just keep in mind, managers, we don't make money. The people on the floor do. All right. We can get rid of all the managers, but if we don't have technicians, the trucks can't run. So 
make sure that you have the knowledge base to be able to tell a technician, hey, hey, maybe you need to go look at this because this makes more sense. And also give the technicians a manager that they can look at to say, hey, I can do that guy's job. So I need to go get the same certifications he has just because he or she already has them. All right. Whenever I say he, don't get offended for all the females out there. I'm just used to saying he. Obviously, we know there's a lot of females inside the industry. And the reality is females are a lot better leaders than men are. We have a tendency to jump at every reaction. Women, you have a tendency to sit back, kind of assess what's going on and makes better decisions. So, I really have to look at my wife sometimes and say to myself, man, I wish I was more like her. All right. So keep it basic. Go get those training certifications and then also start understanding profitability and management. See what your managers are doing right now. See why they're having one technician work on individual trucks when you're thinking, why don't they just have both technicians work on that one? Because we're probably saving time right there or why does it matter if I clean off that battery terminal? Why is he having me pull this back off to clean it? Well, the reality is if we clean that, it saves other subsystems on the truck, which ultimately will lead to more profit and less loss. And then also, why are they buying parts from this store when they could buy it from this store? This store actually has cheaper parts. Well, one big reason why a lot of companies do that is because they get a kickback at the end of the year, which is more profit than this lesser price right now or it's kind of one of those um deals that come in this location might get parts faster well remember what we said four thousand dollars per day if that unit's on the road if i have to pay an extra couple bucks to get that part today to get that truck back on the road i'm going to because now i'm going to have less loss by doing that and then asset improvement make sure the equipment is nice and clean because at the end of the day that equipment might make a couple thousand dollars as far as the sale goes. And it's really going to make a big impact on what's happening on your budgets and what you can actually pay that technician because y'all are doing such a good job creating that extra profit. All right. So with that said, I'm going to go ahead and end the podcast there. It's already been way too long of a podcast and I apologize how long the podcast is, but Go through. Hope you enjoyed it. Have a great night. And if you don't listen to my podcast before Christmas, I hope each and every one of you have a Merry Christmas. And next time I'm going to be more optimistic because I'm more tired today than I expected to be. So have a good night. All right, everybody. Thanks again for coming to listen to the podcast. We will have another podcast coming out next week. Right now, it is early December, December the 3rd. I should have another podcast out probably by December 13th. So come back to the page, whether it be Spotify, Google Podcasts, Apple Podcasts, Radio Public, whatever platform you're on, come back and support us. It will be interesting. We're going to have some people on here talking about some pretty cool stuff. So we will talk to you then. Have a good one.